Welcome to the show where we interview our network of B2B SaaS experts. This is the Notion Capital Podcast, hosted by Paul Papadimitriou. Well, I'm back with Jeff for more about the employee experience. Are your clients all at that level of awareness, what could be done and should be done? Or is your work also to have to educate some of these clients or they come maybe to you and say, oh, our culture is broken, we need to fix it? Excellent question. Sadly, the answer to your question is, no, oftentimes people are not aware of just how broken their culture is or their system is because it frankly was never engineered in the first place. It wasn't an intentional process with which they sought to kind of undertake again, you know, how do we create the optimized experience for the human being such that they could bring everything to work they possibly could do. And so that's oftentimes why I get called in. They know something's broken, but they don't know what's broken. And suddenly when they start to dig into it a bit, even scratching the surface, they realize, wow, this is complicated. This is hard. Human beings, as we know, are complicated individuals in their own right as, as individuals. Could you imagine then, you know, kind of looking at a population of 1,000, 5,000 people, even 250 people for that matter, and trying to kind of get your head around, you know, where do I even start in terms of sorting this out and to making this place a much better place to work, a place people want to come to work? So that's oftentimes when folks like myself get called in to help them think about, you know, that end-to-end experience, typically starting simply with the employee life cycle and saying, Great. So what does that look and feel like today? Um, let's just do a couple of quick mapping exercises and let's build a couple of personas around that based on, you know, possibly real life experience that you've had. And let's let's kind of map using something as simple as emojis, you know, on a post-it page or post-it note. And let's just map what, you know, how, say, Sarah feels about kind of engaging with a promotion opportunity in her organization. And they very quickly realize, God, you know what? We have done such a marginal job engineering all of these life cycle processes around people's experience. We haven't even thought about it really from their perspective. We've only ever thought about it from our perspective. What makes HR's life easier? We're underfunded. We don't have enough people to go do all this stuff manually. We frankly can't get a lot of budget to get a lot of new fancy digital tools in here. And we don't therefore know how to make the argument to our C-suite to get the money to turn this round, which is why I think, you know, kind of the employee mapping exercise or employee experience mapping exercise is so crucial to basically building up proof points and contextualization for people to kind of say, this is why potentially people are leaving us, or this is why people aren't joining us. This is why potentially people are not being nearly as productive as they could be. This is why we're not winning in the market. We're not being innovative. We're not being collaborative. We're working in silos. Everybody basically fights internally to hold on to knowledge. We, you know, we've got this sort of anti-productivity culture that says, don't do more than the next guy because, you know, we're going to get found out. Just get by. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's the kind of stuff that typically manifests in a culture that hasn't been well engineered uh, and thought through and certainly doesn't have any human design elements coordinated in the background around it. So that's very much you know, the work I typically do. And I onboard myself because I can't tell you how common this challenge is for organizations. It's sadly much more common than it's not. But there is often, by the time they get on the phone to me, a willingness to explore why, to discuss what's broken, 
and then to start to shift towards solution. That's the process I typically take people down is just spend some time understanding from their point of view versus your point of view, how it feels to be here, to work here, to engage here. Then let's talk about what we see as some of the symptomatic challenges that are manifesting themselves negatively around this. And let's talk about how we can improve those. And that's very quickly when I start to say, guys, this is not about creating a nice place to work. This is not about soft stuff in terms of the fact that, you know, wouldn't it be warm and fluffy for Sarah to feel good about her promotional opportunity and to have people walk around with a smile on their face? This is not about happiness. This is about money at the end of the day. Let's be honest, okay? And money then very much going back to Frederick Taylor's mentality, where in his view, money was movement. The more efficient the movement around human beings to an assembly line process, the more money you made, the more your profit margin went up. I argue that the same stuff is true around getting the human experience right in the workplace because, you know, research has shown us that you can lower absenteeism, you can decrease negative turnover, which is the the loss of the people who are making your business hum. You can reduce market shrinkage dramatically. You can reduce safety incidents in manufacturing environments. You can improve quality dramatically. Importantly, you can massively improve the customer relationship experience. And you can drive productivity in your organization, sometimes in the triple digits, if you create a culture where it's very natural, effective, and people are rewarded for cooperating, engaging, and collaborating to innovate faster and to get to market faster and giving them a sense of purpose. So this stuff all equals money at the end of the day. The, the wonderful side effect of it is, is that people feel happy because <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're part of something special. They're part of something bigger than they Absolutely. are. So it's good. Yeah. Yep. I do a lot of work in myself in customer experience. The other thing that we have, and you mentioned that earlier that we do, we use, and high-tech companies are very good at that, you know, fancy digital tools, you said, and you mentioned kind of that HR doesn't have more often than not access to those. But if I'm listening to you, they should have some stuff because analytics is one of the things that we pride ourselves when we work with customers to yeah. say, oh, the digital walls are trying transform how we understand customers, but how we also map their journey and we see where they actually are going, their path. Shouldn't be, that's something that should be applied internally as well for employees. God, yeah. So, you know, the whole field of big data analytics, as it's been called, or just data analytics for that matter, is still very much a burgeoning nascent field that people are getting their heads wrapped around. Because, of course, we're all sat on piles and piles of data. And frankly, we haven't even sifted through it to understand what stuff is useful or not. I was very fortunate in my early consulting days in this field to team up with IBM and the folks in the Conexa unit of IBM who are in the process of engineering a fairly powerful world around Watson Analytics. A big particular product I'm thinking about is what they call their Talent Insights tool, which again is really utilizing, I guess, the computational power of Watson Analytics and then really kind of pulling together some of the best statistical packages available to us and mixing and mashing them up in such a way that you can take loads and loads of unstructured data around your human resource systems, around your CRM systems, customer satisfaction, employee satisfaction, anything, frankly, that creates some 
interesting data points. And as long as you can engineer that data around a single individual, or at least minimally teams, you can see some very fascinating patterns emerge very, very quickly in ways that a human being could sort of never calculate on their own. So we're very quickly kind of migrating away from simple one-dimensional reporting that often comes back off the back of your ERP system to say, you know, how many people were sick last week, uh, how many people are going on holiday this summer, you know, this kind of stuff. That's very, I guess, possibly useful information if you're trying to schedule work. It's not horribly interesting or insightful information if you're trying to understand your workforce. And so today, um, with tools like Talent Insights, as an example, and there are several others, Vizier, Crunch HR, a couple of other bits, you are able to mash up data and take a look at things that are a lot more powerful. As an example, how do we assess the quality of hire? How do we basically measure attrition in key job families and understand why people are leaving? How do we understand the drivers of our sales performance and our customer satisfaction? What is the impact of engagement, employee engagement on business performance? What is sort of the optimal pay and reward strategies? You know, that kind of thing. I mean, you could really get into some powerful stuff that suddenly puts HR in a very, very different light with the board. They are suddenly now rocking up weekly, as you can do, with this data and this information and this insight and sat on the right-hand side of the CEO saying, let me help you steer the ship and let me help you think about where the ship is going next year because I've got those data points and I can tell you what our ability and capability and capacity is ultimately for you know, taking on innovation to pivoting to going into new markets, all those things. And so that's that's where analytics is going. I think, you know, it's crazy that, frankly, we have not done this level of examination on what is arguably the biggest expense and cost on the balance sheet. It is arguably the least predictable. It is the most volatile. And arguably, it is the differentiator in terms of our ability to actually go and win in the marketplace. And we have not examined Absolutely. it. So it's nuts. Anyway, so even today, you know, you talk about sort of four levels of, of analytics out there, operational reporting, arguably, you know, over 60% of the organizations are doing it. Advanced reporting, going into a layer deeper, more like 30%. Advanced analytics, 10%. Predictive analytics, 4%, moving to 9% this year. You know, this is all from Josh Burson by Deloitte's research. It's shocking that we don't embrace this at speed, but without good solid analytics and a data-driven argument around your workforce and what it needs, what it's doing, how it could be doing it better, um, you're missing a trick. It was always my contention that HR must be way more in center of the company. But since we are both running out of time and since also our listeners are locked into uh, high tech and maybe at the very early stage, seed stage or series A, I just want to ask you one last question. It would be, maybe they haven't thought about all this and they're listening out to you. And besides calling you, of course, and reaching out and maybe having a chat and sit down with you, what are the steps that could a founder nowadays think about to jumpstart that process of mapping the employee experience journey? Are there any tips you would give to someone now? This is the foundation that you should look at. It's really quite simple. This is how I started doing it, right? I simply went onto Google and I typed in, you know, consumer experience mapping or journey mapping, you know, got, I don't know what, over a million returns. I then clicked <laughs> on images and I, I just, I got it immediately. 
I, I was like, ah, right. Now I see what these people are on about. This is genius. I'm going to steal all of it unabashedly. And I'm going to basically get a borrow from their graphics. So Lego in particular, uh, which is a great company, very innovative around its people, had a great graphic there. And what they had done is they had mapped an employee experience around a middle-aged guy who was quite tall and what it was like for him to engage with business travel as a function of being in the organization, being a sales guy at Lego. And uh, they basically put this guy's demographic information in, in a circle in the center, and then they kind of put the experience above that. They then drew a, another concentric circle around that, and they just said before, during, and after, kind of segmented that out. And then they drew in each one of those sections, the before, during, and after area, little lines, and then kind of drew out various tasks that this guy would have to engage with in order to set his trip up, in order to actually engage with the trip, go to the airport, get on his flight, drop his luggage off, get settled in, what it felt like on the flight itself in terms of the fact that he was tall, sitting in coach for 10 hours. You just described me there. Yeah, no, quite. It's me as well, sadly. And then what happens afterwards? You know, he gets off the plane. He's got to go get his luggage. He's got to find transport to the hotel. He's exhausted. He's got to eat something. I mean, he's tired. He's half his true potential at that moment. You know, he's away from family and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And then, and then basically attached emojis, you know, happy emojis disinterested emojis and negative emojis to each aspect of that experience. And very quickly, I mean, this could take you literally half an hour. You could do that over and over again with a multitude of different experiences. I typically kind of start with the employee life cycle as human resources typically sees it and kind of map out all the component parts of the attraction, recruitment, onboarding, training, you know, kind of processes, and then all of the HR processes around that as a starting point, just to kind of understand, you know, how well do we do this if we're honest with ourselves? And I pull employees in by basically to validate it as I'm doing it. And it's really critical to understand that stuff and just how potentially rotten it is for employees to kind of engage. And then you immediately kind of move to solution. You circle those areas that you think you can have the biggest impact on. And then you also start to think about, you know, maybe we could employ very reasonably priced digital tools to help enable and to automate this and to make this experience much more interesting and useful for people, which then frees up HR to kind of focus on things that are perhaps a bit more strategic. So listen, you know, you don't need a top of the line expert in the employee experience mapping journey process to go sort that out. You may though, you know, potentially want to engage people who see the much bigger picture, which is how do we now get to solution? And what does that look like? How does it feel? And how do we do that within a budget? How do I build my own internal business case here to get some funding for this because it's important. I'm telling you right now, it is equal to millions of dollars or pounds in savings and millions in revenue. So if you get this stuff right, as places like Airbnb, Facebook, Google, Netflix, you know, companies like that get it right, you attract the absolute best. Therefore, typically means you're going to be a pretty damn good company. Well, that's a great way to wrap up this. Thank you so much, Jeff. My pleasure. Thank you very much. 